0: And now, here's your host, Sheila White.
1: Hello, and welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode. I am so excited today. You guys, you know that Black History Month is around the corner. I have a specialist, I said a specialist, with me on today that's going to talk about some empowering things. There's a lot of history that we have as a people. And this individual is an educator extraordinaire, okay? He is awesome and we're gonna get into a deep sea diving about some things on today. So I just wanna thank you all for tuning in. I'm grateful that you tune in today and I would like for you to subscribe to this podcast for new episodes each week. Get your pens and pens, pens and pads ready because today you're gonna learn something. Like I said, we're gonna deep sea dive on today with my special guest, Mr. Ernest Krim III, who is a black history application specialist who uses black history to empower and educate children and train educators as well on how to best reach their students in a culturally compliant manner. And that's very, very important. Mr. Krim was a former high school educator for over 12 years. And he now teaches black history to the world through social media. We have an influencer on the line with us today. And so I'm so excited. He His media, social media, reaches over 500,000 people. And additionally, he is the CEO of Crim's Cultural Consulting, LLC. We're gonna be talking about that a little bit later on. He's an international, well-sought-out speaker all over the country. He's a best-selling author and very passionate towards progressive educational activists. That's who he is. And I'm telling you, I was in the store the other day or a while back and um, I saw a product in the store and I only found out about it because of him talking about it on his social media um, uh, broadcast. And I said, oh, that's that product that he told me to get. And I've been buying it ever since. And I look for products for things that he says when he talks, my brain pays attention. So I want you to know that. So he's also um, has been featured on PBS. He's been featured on CBS. He's been featured on NBC and Newsweek among various other outlets. Uh, to Ernest, his purpose specifically is to creatively strategize how we can use our glorious past to create a better future and entrench people to help them understand what it's all about. I'm excited today for my special guest, Mr. Ernest Krim. Welcome to the show.
2: Thank you for having me, Miss White. It's a pleasure and honor to be here.
1: You know, we're going to, like I said, we're going to deep sea dive because you got all this information in your head. So we're going to pull out as much information as we mm-hmm. can. But, you know, in order for people to understand um, a lot of things, they have to understand the early years of when a, you know, a person is growing up and things like that, because that helps shape their character and things like that, how their characters form as a young person, you know, growing up. So I want you to take us back a little bit into your early years as a kid, um, to because that helped shape who you are. Was there some experience you had that kind of led you down this path? Or were you just one of those people that said, you know, what? there's it's some things going on here? I want to know because you're an educator yeah. and you're going to always be an educator. So was as a kid, were you just interested in books and and things like that or helping people to know? The why is the sky blue?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I can tell you this. I did not like reading as a child, but I was always curious. And you know how people say those first five years are, you know, very important. I can truly attest to that. I was, uh, you know, I I, I, I awoke into this universe, this realm Mm. (laughs) in the Mm. Um, eighties, a child of the eighties from melody and Ernest Krim and, you know, I'm I'm just so blessed to be able to come from a family of educators and not just educators, but, you mm-hmm. know, parents who nourished my curiosity. And the earliest memories I have as a child is honestly just being this rambunctious child mm. who um, often I, I got in trouble a lot in school. And that's a that's a conversation we have to have, too, because, you know, school is often based around forcing children to sit down for about eight hours a day. And that's just not who we are. Naturally, Mm. we we learn best through experience. And I think innately I knew that and I was always up. And I just Mm. remember times when my mom would have to come pick me up. (laughs) <laughs> when I was in kindergarten, and when, when she did say she,
1: kindergarten, you're only four or five yeah, years old yeah, now, <laughs> right? So I'm,
2: I'm in kindergarten, and uh, shout out to the school I went to. It was uh right off 111th in Michigan in Chicago. Okay. And She would sometimes send my sister in because often when she went to pick me up, it was bad news, unfortunately. Mm. And mm. It, and it, and it wasn't like I wasn't able to do what they expected. It was just I did it fast, and then I did something else that I wasn't mm. supposed to do according to their standards and those are my earliest memories because i was never uh spoken to by my mother my my dad as if i was a problem mm. it was just you know of course i had a lot of energy You know, Mm -hmm. things I I, maybe I just wasn't in the environment I should have been in. My Mm -hmm. mom often told the instructors that when I finished my work, they need to give me something more challenging. So coming Mm -hmm. from an educator's perspective, she always knew that there was something in me. And even though Mm -hmm. I was probably acting erratically, sometimes it was because I was trying to figure out and put these pieces together. Mm -hmm. So I go from that situation right there. By the time I'm six, and, I, and I'm on the south side of Chicago, I forgot to mention that I'm yeah. in a red red line community, which we, you know, oftentimes call the hood oh. of the ghetto. Yeah. And this yeah. is a neighborhood that was all black, and you know, limited resources in some part. But it was it was it was very close, close knit mm. community. Yeah. Um, but of course, there was a lack of funding and resources. Our schools weren't in the best condition. My mom made a very tough uh decision to send me and my sister to a school. In Mount Greenwood, which is a neighborhood mm. on the southwest side of Chicago okay. that is very isolated. And just to kind of mm. paint the picture for you, um, that's probably the only uh you know red neighborhood on the south side of Chicago in ter- in terms of voting, and they have yeah. a high population of, of 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 Chicago cops who live there. Oh. Um is- yeah, I- isolated from the black community is what I'm trying mm. to get people to understand. Yeah, yeah. So we're yeah. bust there. And from the mm-hmm. age and I was, you know, I, I started school. My birthday's a little late. So I was five turning six. Okay. So okay. I'm seeing these things as a, as a young child, like mm-hmm. their neighborhood looks a lot different than mine. And wow, it looks and if wow. I'm being honest it, it looks better you know mm. like the thing things are' in better condition it's, it's not that they were better people yeah. I realized that the conditions were better they were there was a library they had parks I noticed my friends mm. played peewee football we didn't have that in my neighborhood wow. we, didn't, we didn't even have parks I was mm. so far, far so far south that we didn't have an ale station we didn't have parks so we had to hoop wow. in the neighborhoods back you know stuff like yeah. that yeah so, yeah I'm just, in my mind, taking this all in because at the Mm. end of every day, we're getting on the bus and we're going back home. And and as you get older, you start to wonder like, wait a Mm. second, I have white friends at that school, I have black friends at that school, but all my Mm. black friends, we're all getting on buses. Mm. And nobody has explained to me why this is, you know? Mm. And and we're being essentially shipped (laughs) back, (laughs) back to our home which was created to be that way, not just that it was segregated, but Mm -hmm. that it was it was devoid of certain resources. But the moment of my childhood, what what I really feel, which changed my life and propelled me into the direction I went into Mm -hmm. was when I was about nine years old, fourth grade. And I remember asking my mom one day. Um, you know, so in in the '90s, and we're in the midst of you know, Bill Clinton is the president. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, and, and and that's all we saw growing up was like, mm-hmm. you know, I was born, Ronald Reagan was president, George yeah. Bush was president, yeah, Bill Clinton was president. No matter mm-hmm. what political party, we didn't see anybody that looked like us. Wow. Um, and and we're we're looking at books, you know, throughout the school year, and I mm-hmm. noticed, like, to me, nothing looks like me. But when I mm-hmm. go home to give the the listeners a picture. Um, you know, my office right now, as you can see, there's black everywhere. Yeah. There's yeah. Dr. King, Malcolm X, yes. there are paintings, yes. there are books. Yes. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, it's very pro-black in here. And mm. that's how my house was growing up. We had pictures of black Americans. We had pictures of us mm. in Africa. And yeah. it was all showing our regality. Wow. But at school, that wasn't the case. Wow. So at nine years old, I asked my mom, why is it that we've never had a black president? Because it, it, didn't, it didn't add up to me. Because how am I seeing mm. pictures of us as kings and queens here wow. and seeing pictures of us as politicians and leaders and, mm. and educators and orators, yeah. but the, the highest position in the land in this country, we've never gotten to that. I didn't, it didn't wow. add up. Wow. And my mom said something that, again, changed my life's trajectory or, mm. again, propelled me. She mm. said that, Ernest, is because they're waiting on you to grow up. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And, and, and 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 that was the moment because it wasn't just that she said it, it was that like she acted like it and my family did too. We we had a program at our school, and they might still have it in schools across the city of Chicago. It was called a Young Office program. Okay. And and every year kids could like, you know, create a book or whatever, and they could enter into a contest and things like that. And back in we in the nineties, so we're mm. talking like typewriter type stuff. Wow. So my mom said, Well, for this year. How about we create a book about you becoming the first black president?
0: Mm. So we
2: wrote this book called when I become the first black president. And, you know, my uncle was in Congress and mm. we, we went to D.C., you know, around that time, too, and I was able to go into his office and take a picture wow. there and we included all of this mm. in this book. Yeah. Um. And, and, and it just had a huge impression on me, like going to my family's house. They would talk mm. to me like I was the president. Wow. It didn't matter if I actually wanted to be it. Just the fact that I knew, regardless of how the the teachers treated me or regardless of what they said about me or the differences in our neighborhood, I had fixated in my mind at that young age that I could truly achieve anything I want to, because Mm. my parents saw me present them with a problem. And they immediately said that I'm a part of the solution to that problem. Mm.
1: Wow, that's amazing. That is really amazing. And and I know that had something to do with your view as you're teaching children down through the years um, of just your mom saying that um, had to make a difference. And even the fact that you said, you know, your curiosity was just so high as a child and, and that you were just like, well, why is this? Or why is that? And noticing that you were getting on the bus, going to a different area mm-hmm. at the end of the day uh, and things like that. But your mom's speech seemed to really affect your life because as you said, that was the turning point. How would you say that speech affected you as the person that you are today, you can be whoever you want to be. I know there's your social influencer, you're doing a lot of things, you're an author, we're going to get into that too, but how did that impact you to really make a difference in the students that you're working with and everything else is a trajectory taking you into different directions and things?
2: well i I look at it like this and and i'm I'm a very spiritual person so like even when i said you know i i I entered this this (laughs) this realm of you know consciousness in the 80s like i'm very clear that my belief is that i'm a spirit having like this human experience so when my when my mom said that it was it was like i'm my mom's child Mm. and you know like not even just if you look at us you see it Mm. but Yeah. yeah the mannerism she's a preacher like i'm i'm a speaker like I would have never even probably thought I could do that unless I saw her do it first. She was a wow. principal. She was an educator. I became an educator. So like, I'm just the male, you know, version, version of her of that. at yeah. this age. Mm-hmm. So I, And I say all that to say that when she downloaded that in me and she said that to me, I was able to see that, okay, these conditions that exist here Um, For one, they aren't natural. They aren't normal. People aren't supposed Mm. to be treated this way. Right, right, right. But they have nothing to do with us as people. Mm. This is is just something that we unfortunately have faced, but we fall Mm. through it. So Mm -hmm. when I would face things on an individual basis, whether it be a case of racism or whatever, Mm. I would always just like slow things down and say, "Okay, what can I do to solve this or what can I do to go against it like that. And that's probably why and people would probably be surprised to you know I love the math in high school. I didn't even really care wow. about social wow. studies and history. But mm-hmm. like the thing was let's take this thing step by step. So when I get pulled over in high school, which happened several times, mm-hmm. and I and I know it was for no reason, it mm-hmm. becomes a thing of how do I fight that after the situation is done? Not that wow. I deserve the situation. So, wow. Wow. And, and, and it's the same thing, like you said, with my teaching, with my pedagogy, mm-hmm. it's I tell my kids like, look, if, if a, a, a problem can be imagined, mm-hmm. if someone can envision the problem and create the problem mm-hmm. and put us in this structure and take us from our home lands and home empires and home continent, mm-hmm. or whatever, and put us through this, then we can surely envision a solution to like, like we are, we are proof that the solution exists. We just have to have time to put our minds together and create something better than what we have. So in short, it just gave me the ability to imagine without Mm -hmm. being, uh, you know, uh, disgruntled with our current situation.
1: You know, it's interesting because you, you, you know, was that part of your teaching style or philosophy as you were in the classroom? Um, just coming from that vein, you know, what, what was your teaching style like? Or your philosophy as an educator, as you're teaching these kids, because you're loaded with all this information and, 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 and from mm-hmm. the things that your mother said to you as you were growing up, you know, you, you transformed from a trouble child to a, a person that was inspiring, you know what I'm saying? And that can inspire a lot of people. So what was your, your, your style like as you were teaching or your philosophy when you have a child that maybe is troubled or a child that can't be still, you know, and you go back into your years thinking, okay, how did I deal with me, you know, you know how you felt when the principal was <laughs> telling you, okay, you're going to get a timeout or you had to go home. How do you, what was, what is your style of philosophy in dealing with children that were difficult um, to teach, so to speak?
2: I always looked at it as uh, a welcome challenge. And my mm. philosophy was that, you know, children are never the problem. The, the, the adults are, the, the teachers are, <laughs> because mm. like we, we wow. create. We create the world in which kids and children come in, and and none of us, although we are adults now, even us, like mm-hmm. at once we were children. We didn't ask to be here. So, yeah. like, when we have a child and that child is going through something, or maybe they learn in a different manner, it's up to us. We're the, we're supposed to be the experts. We have right, to figure right. it out. The kid can't <laughs> be the problem. If we <laughs> like, if if, and, and this is not like a sports team. You can't trade that child. If you're yeah. a public school teacher, you find a way to deal with it. You know, it's it's a it's essentially you're you have a trade. If somebody hires you to, you know, fix the toilet, to fix their lighting situation, you can't come over there. And, and I mean, you could come over there and say, well, I can't do it. Yeah, yeah. how does that look for your business? So yeah, if, yeah. if I have a child that I know is restless, or, uh, can't sit still or mm-hmm. moves around, I think yeah. back to how I was as a child. And I think back to even my education in terms of like, everybody learns differently, but yes, our education yeah. system has perfected the art of Edu- or, or or testing kids with one mm. form of intelligence. Wow! And, 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 and there are there are multiple. Wow. You know, it's mm. just like it's like that mm. um political cartoon where they have all these animals. You know, mm. and they have they have the elephant, they have mm. the bird, they have the monkey, they have the snake, and it's like mm. you're grading children on how to fly. Of course, mm. the bird is going to always get the A. Yeah.
1: You know, yeah. so
2: like for me, it's I I spent my career. As being that that uh that circle mm-hmm. trying mm-hmm. to fit into a, a square, you know, yeah, yeah, an oversized yeah. circle. So like there was there was a lot of strain because I did a lot I did a variety of of, mm. of, of teaching mm-hmm. methods, but I always had to go back to teaching wow. for a test. Wow. Um, but my but my philosophy was every child in that classroom um excels in something. Mm. every every child in that class is a genius, has genius yeah. level in something mm-hmm. might yeah. not be yeah. history, might not be writing, might not be yeah. speaking, but it's something I can learn from them, and it's something I could of course teach them and mm-hmm. although they might not get the A of my class, it does not mean that they are any less. I'm yeah. just trying to have them reach their fullest potential for the nine months I have them and help them yeah. get to the next level
1: you know it's really important because you know like you said, you have the child for nine months but just kind of coming somewhat out of this pandemic that we were in, teachers had a lot of stress on them. The students had a lot of stress on them being at home and working within computers. And a lot of parents were like, you know, they wasn't used to dealing with their kids so many hours out of a day. So that was very difficult for teachers. Um, What do you think were some of the challenges they have now? We're back in classrooms now. What do you think are some of the challenges that the teachers have? I would say post coming out of staying home for maybe a couple of years where Kids got used to putting on the or turning the computer on, and then they would turn it off, and some of them had drama going on in their home where they couldn't put the computer on because they're like, you know, Miss Jones, I can't turn my computer on because there was things happening in the house where they were ashamed or you know, just didn't want their teacher to know what was going on. Um, so what are some of the challenges? I know you have a lot of you know teacher friends and things like that as well that you feel coming through what we came through with the school system. The challenges they face, because with black history, as an example, it seemed like it's not getting any better anymore that we're learning. It's the same stuff that we've been had since the, you know, 70s and 80s. It's not new information. That's why what you do is so valuable. But what are some of the challenges that teachers face today coming out of what we just came out of a little while ago?
2: Yeah, those challenges are actually a big part of the reason why I felt I had to leave the classroom because mm. this stuff, was, I feel like when I started teaching in 2010, okay. those, those things were simmering beneath the surface because I would say like I I got my, wow. I got a smartphone first time, maybe in 2010, maybe okay. in 2010. So I've, I've seen the growth of this as a teacher. Okay. Going into a class where you're still using a whiteboard, a chalkboard wow. to the point where everybody has a laptop and, you mm. know, everybody's depending on, you know, the devices. It, it went from kids still like, and I think the devices can sometimes be an excuse for kids not to socialize. So kids wow. at first don't have any barriers Mm -hmm. obstructing them so like no laptop no phone so they have to force themselves to talk so around the mid 2010s you start to see kids slowly become more and more anti-social because if if, if, if i'm and i was you know believe it or not i was a very shy kid in high school so like if if you but if you don't want to talk Mm. um in high school you know there's only so much you can do you got to get that grade. you got to do group work but now it's like well i can just put this phone yeah. in front of my face and I can yeah. act like I'm talking or act mm-hmm. like I'm busy yeah. and, and then that, that alleviates the problem or wow. put kids in groups and then mm-hmm. they'll find a way to do their work separately or yeah. not actually collaborate. So this mm-hmm. was before the pandemic. When the pandemic happens, you know, those antisocial kids or the kids who had anxiety it gets exacerbated because yeah, you yeah. think that, oh, it's great. We're going to be at home. First, we thought, I think, two weeks, three weeks, and it just kept going. <laughs> but when you're isolated for too long, we're social beings. We need yeah. to be around people. Yeah, we have to, yeah. especially Black folks. We are yes. people. We, we got to have family, traditions. We got to have the cookouts. You know what I'm saying? Like, we we, we, we got to have a family reunions, all of that. So for, for what, what I saw happen was our kids sunk. Further and further, Wow. the anxieties, and if they, and mm. as a child, you're becoming more mature. You're going wow. through different stages. You're mm. already insecure, yeah. and then you, ha- then you go online, and everything you look at shows mm. something in a, in a perfect state, and it makes you feel wow. insecure. You know, it's, it's yeah. the same mindset of like. You mm-hmm. know, you're in you're in a, we're in a cold climate right now mm-hmm. in the Chicago mm-hmm. area. Yeah, like yeah. it's then you you go on Instagram and you see your friend in the Bahamas or mm-hmm. something or Miami. You like, dang, I wanna I wanna be in a hot place. But like, social <laughs> media feeds you that type of content all the yeah, time yeah. and makes you feel like you are less than. But our kids don't have that mental uh mm-hmm. aptitude yet to say. But that's just somebody's highlight reel. Yeah, so they were yeah. in that situation from March of 2020. And mm. then they came back, like, around, uh I, w- I want to say, like, 2020, like, yeah. like, a year and a half later, yeah you know, t- yeah. And then 2021, yeah. and then you still had kids who could, you know, they had the mask on for yeah. a year, couldn't yeah. see anybody's face, kids yeah. being sent home, you know, we were teaching virtually and in person. Wow. So, when I was back that le- that, that last full school year, which was 2021, 2022, yeah. I felt as low our kids were coming back you know it's like Erica Badu song bag lady they had <laughs> baggage upon baggage upon baggage that was coming to the class but all we did as educators was add an, another book to the bag. We didn't wow. say, we didn't say, let's unpack that. Let's unpack mm. that anxiety. We mm. just kept, mm. we just kept acting like, you know, it's it's almost like because you all you are you're, you're in the media industry, and, yeah. and, and, yeah. and you know, yeah. you're in media, right? So yeah. if you have a TV show, yeah. um, if you're in production with a show and, and there yeah. was a tragic loss, you have yeah. to address it. You know, like Black yeah. Panther yeah. 2. Yeah. They they had they and they embedded yeah. Chadwick's like the loss of his life in the story. Yes. Imagine yes, they us did. seeing that movie yeah. and not seeing them mention that. It's like y'all just going to act like he didn't die? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like that was our favorite character. That was That's you know, right. So we went back to school, y'all, and it was just like nothing happened. Yeah. Get back yeah. get back we, we got to make up for the kids not taking the test mm. this year. So now we got to get those scores up. Now we mm. got to keep moving. It's just, it's like you driving in the car and for and for two years you have some kids learning how to drive mm. while watching you drive home, and mm. then you just throw them back on the car and you don't mm. make up for that time lost for learning how to wow. drive. They're gonna crash.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's so interesting because we talk about antisocial behavior, you know, the social media has done a job on everybody. I think people of all ages. And yes, you are right. We are the we are part of this Marvel universe, I'll say it like that way. <laughs> right. And it's interesting because Um, you know, like you said, the baggage that kids had to deal with just coming back and not being able to unpack all of the issues. A lot of adults as well, you know, because people were, you know, there was domestic violence going on. There was so much happening and it was just like, okay, go back, be normal, do what you have to do. And, And people were still trying to find that normalcy. I mean, because they were stripped of so much, stripped of graduations walking across the stage and stripped of sports that they couldn't participate in, script of relationships. And so it was a lot happening, you know, with a lot of children, which was a difficult time for them. Not to mention when we want to go into the black history itself, you know, um, you know, it's like, how can you really be effective teacher with that type of history? You know, you're at home, so much going on and things and the sharing, like you said, we can't talk in dialogue. We need that communication, that socialization. And so, when you're trying to teach uh something like that, how can you do it when you're not able to be in the room, so to speak, with them for them to understand and to feel and ask questions and not feel bad about it but it w- it's an enrichment, you know what I'm saying uh for African Americans because a lot of them didn't have the outside um social environment like a lot of other kids and other nationalities. they can go you know go here and go there and do things with their parents or whatever, but there was no dad in the homes, a lot of the with the people of color Um, and the moms were working or if they were off from work, they had to just make the money to keep things going. So they still didn't have a lot of time, a lot of socialization. So this brings me to black history application. How can we even today, even though kids are back in school, how can parents connect more with their children? Um, Before we get into your books, how can they connect more with their children even if they don't have a lot of history themselves, but just talk to them about where they know they came from in a healthy way where it's um, entrenching them to knowing who they are as a person.
2: That's a great question. So um, I actually wrote it down because that's something I need to think about even more. I I think that I I always come from the standpoint that no one knows what I'm talking about. And as an educator, you have to assume that um, the child does not know what you're about to teach them you cannot wow. assume you cannot assume that a child mm-hmm. or, or anybody you're teaching knows any prior information like mm-hmm. you know now when i make my one minute to 90 second videos i am yeah. I have to assume a little bit but we're talking in the class 50 minutes like i can't assume everybody knows about dr king it, it seems right. like it's as simple as one plus one right now, people might have seen the face they may have known the image but then what we do in america is we, we reduce things down to a slogan or propaganda wow. so people may just know the dream, you know. Yeah, so yeah I have yeah. to, you know, always go from that standpoint with parents. So what I say is I'm assuming that none of the parents are going to go down the path I went. Okay. So when you are molding your child, let's say you start from first grade, you're starting from the same slate they are essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Let us yeah. just open the book. Let the mm-hmm. let the books be the guide. You know okay. go go to go to google go to amazon go to a okay. local let's say local bookstore actually yeah, small yeah. family-owned books or black-owned books or preferably right. and 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 search mm-hmm. black history children's book um mm-hmm. i on, on my link tree on my social media i have book recommendations for people learn mm-hmm. with your children with okay everything that i know there, I would say that I'm, I've only, like, touched the surface 1%, you know? Mm. There's so much more I need to know. When I read stories with my kids, I'm yeah. learning things. Not okay. even just new information, but new perspective, new vantage yeah. point. So yeah. start with the book. Read to your kids daily. That's the, that's the, most, the simplest thing you can do. What I'm okay. actually working on right now, um, mm. and this is a long-term project, but mm. I'm working on something that will give parents a person throughout the whole year to mm. celebrate and identify in our history each mm-hmm. and every week of the year, because I think it's too much oh. to do a person a day. Mm. You can do, I think, you know, we get to a certain level of the understanding you can, mm. but I think you have to let this stuff digest. Like one day for Dr. King is not nearly mm. enough. You could okay. do a whole course on him. I mean, yeah. like, I, like every year I'll try to reread some of his speeches and everything and I have a new understanding. Mm. But like read to your children every day, something black. If you don't have the book, Google it, And and y'all can look on your smartphone together. And then the next thing you're going to have to do is, of course, just ask your kids questions. Like, what did you learn today in school? I I mean, it's it's as simple as that. Like, let 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 the conversation flow. I asked my daughters yesterday, my oldest daughters anyway. I said, why do you all think you have Dr. King's holiday off? Just to get their mind going. And they said, well, I think it's because... You know, um, he stood up for us. He was peaceful. He was this and that. And we went down this long rabbit hole of having a conversation of like, you know, Dr. Mm -hmm. King, uh, this great man was very he wasn't peaceful. He was very confrontational. He Mm -hmm. just wasn't violent. He was Mm-mm. he was he was agitating people because he said that we deserve to be treated right. So mm-hmm. I'm so I'm I'm taking this familiar figure that they know, but I'm giving them a completely different understanding because I understand that their school teacher is going to give them, you know, just a quick version. They may have right. learned about. Right. So we're, we're digging deep on that person, and mm-hmm. then today, what I do is. I look up again Black History Fact of the Day. What's going on? I okay. found out, uh, you know, the, the day that we're recording this, Muhammad mm-hmm. Ali's birthday is today. So, yes. and I, and that that didn't cost me nothing except my 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 internet bill. So you wow. just you just Google searched that. I didn't know mm-hmm. what his birthday was. As great as he <laughs> is, as much yeah. as I love that man. Yeah, Oh, so yeah. you you just. You have to like, it start. It all starts with a question. And I'm mm-hmm. telling y'all this because it started with me asking my mom that question mm-hmm. and, and look at how much I've invested in this.
0: Wow, wow. You don't have
2: to know it all. You just have mm-hmm. to want to know it all and yeah. use it to help your kids. And even wow. beyond that, we're going to backtrack a little bit. Mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you that you need to, you know, make sure your kids have an identity that's entrenched in, wow. you know, your spirituality and mm. your race, your racial identity, mm. your, your wow. ethnicity. Um, mm. you know, you you can you, you wow. can trace your ancestry if you want. You can call yourself mm-hmm. African mm-hmm. American, black American, black American freedmen. Mm-hmm. Like just make sure your kids know who they are. Yeah. and you and you need to make them write out and you need to create an affirmation for them. Yeah. So when they start the day, even before they get to that history, they say, mm. I'm this, I'm that, I'm that. So Mm. when they read that history, they're taking it in as a person that believes, you know, they're regal, they're amazing, they're motivated. Because without that foundation, none of that's going to be applied. It's just going to go in one ear and out the other.
1: Wow. How important is spirituality to you? Because as an African American, uh, you know, your background and things like that, and looking at history, um, faith was very important to people not only coming over here on the boat, but just in general as you study the history. How important is not just the education of black history? But, how important is that aspect of spirituality in what you do and how you teach what you teach it for you as a person?
2: I think that um I think one of the reasons and i and there are a, there are a lot of variables
1: okay. Uh, and, okay and
2: and 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 of course no um uh, no construct we have here with humans mm-hmm. involved is never is perfect, but yeah. I feel like I feel yeah. like a lot of the reasons why our kids of all backgrounds can be mm-hmm. so depressed and anxious now is because they don't have that same community. Of, the, oh. of, a, of a church that we grew okay. up in, you know, okay. regardless of the, the, the religious background, mm-hmm. it's the community of coming together every Sunday or Bible yeah. study or coming on yeah. Saturday or right, right, You know, right. for the, the cookouts, the church picnic. Yeah. I, I think, I think that goal just, it, it takes us back because mm. we could not have endured mm-hmm. the middle passage without mm. having some type of faith <laughs> without yeah. having some type of belief that we can make it like as, as wow. African people, are very ex- like but what what did we do this is a question everybody should want to ask like what yeah. did black people african people do before we were enslaved we yeah. weren't we weren't spending our time fighting racism because <laughs> mm. there, no, there was no construct we mm. were inventors we were artisans we were we were chefs we were you know blacksmith griots mm-hmm. you know we cr- we created we were scientists we mm-hmm. want we we were figuring out how to be in tune with one with, with the world, with, with, with God, you know? And and I I think that regardless of what anybody believes, Mm. you have to have a foundation Mm. of some type of spirituality, because you have to understand it's not just about you. Mm. And you also understand that you are a culmination of Mm -hmm. every single person that came before you. You wow. know, like if if we wow. if we truly get in deep, like the people that we the names will never know in that middle passage. If they didn't survive, not neither one of us black folks would be here today. Mm. Yes, and you know, so it's 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 like that faith that they had. Where like imagine what they had to think in that moment and during that. Yeah, to to allow you to be here today.
1: Wow, like
2: wow. the the wow. ability to persist. Mm. You know, several several months on the on in, in that condition. Mm. So. And that and that was a faith that was molded for thousands of years, whether our people were in West Africa, whether they traveled Mm -hmm. from East Africa uh, in in ancient Kemet. So Mm -hmm. like that you can you cannot study black history and not in some form or fashion study spirituality, whether it be the black church. Whether wow. it be uh you know Christianity in Ethiopia, whether wow. whether whether it be uh you know vudan or whether it be yeah. uh the Ju- Judaism, whether it be yeah. Islam, yeah. like, and if you really get deep, the, the word, the most popular world religions all have a root in the motherland. Yes.
0: Yes. <laughs> so
2: I, I I mean my me personally, yeah. I I can't I I have to be able to connect back to that to function. And I believe that it does us well as people mm-hmm. to have that uh all encompassing view of something bigger than us, because mm-hmm. if not, then I think we tend to get stuck and running in place.
1: You know, it's so so interesting because you said something bigger than us. When when the Black History Month was adopted and everybody's like, oh, we got a month, we got a month, and, you know, and things like that. Um You know, people thought, okay, that's it. Now we got a month. Now we could talk about all things black or whatever, whatever. What would you like to see happen in a, say in a a perfect world with black history month, the things that could be taught, uh, the people that could come together, the lessons that could be learned. What would you like to see happen during black history month so that people culturally could be able to be embrace black history month, not just as a title, you know what I'm saying? Or not just look at it as a month. But really, be able to be entrenched in it to have meaning, because I think now for a lot of young people, it just is another day, it's just another month there's there's no real significance to it, and so it comes and it goes, and there are few people that were born, let's say uh you know seventies eighties ninety you know eighties beyond eighties and nineties and beyond that really kind of care about Black History Month, you know what I'm saying um as a people, so what would you like to see happen? If this was a perfect world and we're here now, but what could we do to make this more meaningful for our children and and for even the grandparents and things? Because it wasn't something around when they were growing up. But what could we do to make Black History Month more meaningful for everybody of color and then of people that are not of color so they could be impacted with education and knowing about some of these hidden treasures that are out there and things like that?
2: Yeah, I think that, um, you know, the best way to go about that. Is so if 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 you notice, like if if the leaves are wilted, you probably need to nourish the roots more. You know. So yeah, yeah. we, I'm I'm big on going to the root. Uh, Black mm-hmm. History Month started off as Black History Week with Dr. Carter mm-hmm. G. Woodson, one of my you know role models, and his idea was not to have us just create uh, celebrated during that week, but that's when we come together and talk about what we're doing. What Mm. we've done throughout the whole year so if we come together at that point one week there are 51 other weeks what have we done to celebrate what have we done in our communities what can we come together and talk about um then it became a month in the 70s i i think and he chose that week you know because uh frederick Douglass chose his birthday to be in february and abraham lincoln's birthday was in february and that was something black people celebrated yes yes. yeah carter g woodson was like Mm. As he once taught in the Philippines in the military, mm. and he was like the Philippine, the Filipino kids are learning about American history, something that has nothing to do with them. Mm. He ref- he reflected on that, like, what does that mean for us? Wow. So for me, Black History, Black History Month should mean. Mm. Again, we come together. What have we done in our respective communities? What are the issues? What are the celebrations? What Mm. can we do to uplift and promote each other? But then also, and this was always my biggest thing with education, regardless of what I was teaching,
1: Mm.
2: education is only as good as your ability to apply to empower. So Mm. like if when I was teaching kids, it always perturbed me that I was teaching about things like that they needed for a test, but did not solve the problems of food insecurity in their communities. Yeah. It's like you're going home to a food desert, but you know about George Washington and you know about what happened in D.C. And some of that mm-hmm. stuff could be important, but like mm-hmm. the most important information is going to start locally. It's going to start in yeah. your home, your mm-hmm. neighborhood, how you got here, why these problems wow. exist. So mm-hmm. for Black people, it serves as a different function. To me, it yeah. serves as a function of finding out who you were or who you still are yeah. and connecting yeah. with that and using what our ancestors used, whether they were here or in Africa, to mm. improve our life. I tell our, I tell kids that we don't need to progress. We need to reclaim what was ours and that, that already exists. We just have to uncover wow. this inside. Mm. So mm. every issue that exists in our community can be solved if we empower ourselves by learning how Black people have done it in the past or are already doing it now. For every problem that exists in our community, for one, let's realize that we didn't create the structure for it, but oh. there's somebody, yeah. maybe not all in one city, but mm-hmm. scattered around, they're doing that. Mm-hmm. So Black History Month should be like, that's the convention. We coming together. How do we connect? How mm-hmm. do we celebrate? Yeah. you know, I, I think one of the biggest travesties about it, though, is, is that uh, Black folks, we come from warmer climates. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, February, we ain't really outside. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's <laughs> so, a I good mean, point. That's a very I, I, good point. I
2: think that might be an issue because it's like we don't really do that but now like yeah. juneteenth like take the whole it's month different. i feel like yeah like yeah. celebrate the whole month like that's a we, good point because if, if it was in july or, or, yeah. or, or june we yeah. have family reunions then yes you know, we, yeah we, we have festivals all over different yeah. cities yeah. then so yeah. that's what that means now for for people who aren't black mm-hmm. i think that uh learning black history will just strengthen um, your understanding of who you are, because yes. if we go back, like everyone comes from mm. African people, so mm. you have to understand the root too. Yeah. Um, because for, for from their perspective, diversity is going to strengthen your creativity. Yeah, it's going to help. Yes. It's going to help make them more tolerant and mm. accepting, especially mm-hmm. if mm-hmm. they've been cut out from different um ethnic right. groups. Because again, if, when white kids are born into this world, they didn't create the structure. There you um, go. That they lit the racist structure they live in, they can benefit mm-hmm. from it. But if those kids are shut out from diverse populations, that hurts them too. learn yes. about that. Um, mm-hmm. The impact I've had, for example, on white kids was always mm-hmm. a big surprise to me. But again, it shows the power in doing that. And yeah. then eventually Black History Month. It, it, this is this should be something that we have a framework to celebrate ourselves all year round yeah. every day. Yeah. So that we are empowered to understand who we are, mm-hmm. um, what we what we are now, and then mm-hmm. what we can do moving forward to make our lives better.
1: And that's important because you talked about diversity and structure. And a lot of times, uh, people that are not of color, they don't understand, you know, we say it's a systematic racism, and they're like, Well, what is that? They don't understand it because they're maybe privileged in a lot of areas. And it's just like if there's a golf course and you are African American or a person of color and you want to go to that well, that person that might have invited you and they're they're maybe saying, well, we didn't know that you couldn't come here. But if they try to join that particular golf course and there's no, let's say people of color there, it's because the system that was set in place did not accept people of color before. And so therefore a person that's inviting somebody to come to play golf with them, maybe they can't play because the system will not allow them to be a member of that particular Mm -hmm. golf club. So therefore the system is set up. It's not that person that is, is being racist or anything like that. So the systems are set up so that it, it excludes people of color. So that's what we mean by systematic racism. has nothing to do with that person wanting you to do something, they're not racist. But the system is set up where people of color haven't been introduced to these environments before because of the system saying that we only want a certain type of people here. And so you, you're not invited. And so it helps people to understand. And so when you talk about young people or let's may, say maybe Caucasians or white people, understanding. The different types of things that are set up has nothing to do with them being born in the 90s and 2000 or whatever. They're not racist, but the system is set up against a lot of people of color and they have these problems. And so once everybody understands, um, like you said, where we come from as a, as a people, as a human race, not as a black, white, Asian or, or, or Hispanic, but as a human race, where do we come from as a human race? Because we all came from the human race you know what i'm saying and so that's important to know that and having that knowledge like you said will help people to understand that's a piece of me <laughs> you know what i'm saying it's a piece of me we just went this way we went that direction or whatever but we all come from the same cloth so to speak so i think it's really important to understand diversity because it'll help you along the way and a lot of times the great 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 grandparent may have been the person that owned slaves or whatever and they say well that wasn't me i had nothing to do with that but the systematic uh, things that are in place is still in effect, and it's still affecting us for generations down through the line. So it's really important that you talk about that, you know, diversity and structure. Which brings me to: um, Is this the reason why your cultural counseling started with Crim's cultural counseling to help people <laughs> to understand a little bit more about diversity, who we are, how we have can impact the world, and um, you know, as as not only educators but just impact the world with understanding more about um, our past as a people. So let's talk a little bit about the Krims Cultural Counsel- uh, Con- uh, Counseling, the okay. consulting.
2: What, what Crim's Cultural Consulting comes from, um, it comes from this framework of understanding like you said, that we're all mm-hmm. humans, right, there's yeah, really just yeah. one race. Yeah. Race as we know in this world is a social construct. Um, What happened, of course, when people moved out of Africa and went different ways Mm -hmm. is not Mm -hmm. only did, you know, skin and different features change, but you develop different cultures to, excuse me, to adapt to your immediate environment. Wow. So when you, when you, when you come from that framework and understanding and, Mm -hmm. you know, when I, when I would engage in like, you know, speaking engagements and I speak to other educators I, like it's it's not as simple you know our our situation is different because when we say mm-hmm. black we don't just mean race we mean like culture and everything yeah. that was pretty yeah, here yeah but yeah. like I I need people to understand that a lot of the the differences and, and a lot of the reasons why there's a disconnect between people from various backgrounds is because you don't understand that what somebody is really doing is a mm. it's their it's a it's their culture they're right, communicating right. that way like right. when I was a child, way I, there's a way I dressed when I was a child that I would never dare dress the way I wouldn't sag I don't do that anymore yeah, uh, I wore, yeah. I, you know I wore an earring and, and, and there are some people my age who still do it whatever but yeah, like yeah. that was like my culture mm. that was the hip hop mm. culture primarily yeah. for teens when we wore huge jerseys throwback jerseys and we and and you know and, and the hoodies and things and, and yeah. the hoodies and stuff like that was that's the culture okay. meaning that like that's how we feel comfortable expressing ourselves oh, amongst okay. this group so okay cult meaning like you follow something and mm. the chur is like it, it's the essence of it so mm-hmm. like when we're in class for example i'll give you a scenario right if uh-huh. you're in class and um let's say that you know there, there's there's a white teacher predominantly black well let's say a white teacher predominantly white uh, okay. students and okay. a few black kids okay a black child might come in the classroom and first look and not see anybody they connect with but then see their friend and they might get excited and be like oh what's up like they might get loud yeah, yeah right because we saw our people yeah like, that, that's family that's my bro that's my mm-hmm. cuz right there that's mm-hmm. my sister right there yeah, yeah. and we, we might embrace we might Mm. Dap it up, shake our yeah, hand. Yeah, yeah. The teacher, not understanding our culture, culture okay. might take that communication as being disrespectful.
0: Oh. Yeah. And, and that's yeah.
2: not to say that mm. white children don't mm. sometimes do that, yeah, but it, yeah. it, it might just be embraced more within. Mm a black American or African yeah. culture, yeah. you know, like even, even deeper than that, if you, there's mm. a, this great book called uh post-traumatic slave syndrome. Yeah. And Dr. Joy DeGroote talks about like the elements of our culture mm. that we were made to feel bad about or that we don't know still wow. exists. One wow. thing that's a huge misunderstanding for black folks is, and we, and we make jokes about it. We call it CP mm. time, right? Color people <laughs> time, right? Or like, whatever. Like, so like in <laughs> Africa, based on my understanding, if you say something's going to start at seven, you don't get there on time. Mm. <laughs> like You just don't. The culture, like, you yeah. you don't get there on time. And if you yeah. are, people kind of, and even, what, like, what I think about my family, when we were playing, like, baby showers and stuff, like, mm. if we started at, we start time is one, Yeah. the only people that's going to be there, maybe, like, the, the parents going to be there yeah. to help you out. Yeah. But, like, yeah. your friend, they're going to maybe two, you know, yeah. but I but I would yeah. always notice too, like my wife friends, uh-huh. they're gonna be like 1258. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe one o'clock. <laughs> but like we 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 like we'll demonize that as a negative, mm. but mm. because we don't understand the root of it. The now because it, okay. the dominant culture here says mm-hmm. you must be, you know, on, on time. time because yeah. to them in that culture, time is scarce. But in oh, Africa, okay. time is is infinite because we go through these cycles. You understand? Yeah. Yeah. So when, yeah. when I when I when I'm speaking of culture, mm-hmm. it's the understanding that not every black person is the same. Yeah. Although we come from the same. We might not all be the okay. same. We right. don't all talk the same. But yeah. it might be a majority of us have this understanding. Mm-hmm. The same thing with white mm-hmm. folks. Okay. And that and that even goes to what I do with um content creation. When I create okay. content for companies, it's 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 teaching about our culture to a, to a broader audience. And okay. that's what I strive to do with my video. This is mm-hmm. what blackness truly is. Yes, this yes. is what it always has been, not mm. what you've seen in the media and the propaganda.
1: Wow, that that is amazing. That is so needed and it's so true because uh, people will greet each other in different ways. When you look at different cultures, they will exactly. <laughs> greet each other in different ways. And, and people that don't understand that kind of stand back and look. You know, I was listening to uh, someone the other day, and they were talking about, like, for instance, hip hop. And they were saying that when a person is looking for somebody, they see a m- person that's maybe a white guy dressed in a suit or whatever walking on the street, they just pass them up. They see uh, a geek kind of looking person, they may pass them up. If they see a person that looks like them, you know, the hoodies, and they have to see what colors they have, they may shoot at them. Only, be- but the fact of the matter is, they're shooting at themselves. Yeah, it's something right, that's right. there that's saying, "I'm not looking for that person. I'm not looking for that person." Oh. That's probably the person I'm looking for and a lot of times people are getting shot at, it's mm-hmm. not because of, um, you know, it's just because they're really kind of got something, they're looking at themselves in that sense. Whatever colors they have on or whatever it is or they got a hoodie, that's probably who I'm looking for, to pop today so to speak or whatever. Yes, yes. And they're not looking at the person that's walking down that looks like a geek, oh that's not him, you know, that's not that person. It's really sad what's, what's, what's going on with a lot of things in, in our culture. Um, Yeah, I know that you wrote some books. Let's talk about you as the author, the best-selling author uh, that's out there. I know you have the children's book. So let's talk a little bit about your publications that you have.
2: Yeah, so my first book, uh, Black History Saved My Life, How My Viral Hate Crime Led to an Awakening. That actually came out February of 2020. So as you can Mm. imagine, um, that was like, it it was about two or three weeks before the world shut down. Just really (laughs) had no no understanding of how Mm. the world was going to shift completely. Mm. But wow. I also feel like, in terms of just the you know the divine way things work out, mm. um, it, it it I think it has helped a lot of people because unfortunately you have what happened with George Floyd, uh, you yeah. know, um, yeah. you have like, um, yeah, with like Ahmad Arbery and and mm-hmm. you know things like that happening across yeah. the country. So yes. it was timely, unfortunately, in that in that situation. But what it yeah. talks about is this hate crime I dealt with in uh July of 2016 with my wife. Okay. And essentially my wife and I were at this event in Chicago. It was again, mm-hmm. you know, it was a black cultural thing. It was an outdoor wow. festival outside, right around South shore. Um, and, you know, and, and black folks were the majority there, but there were a few mm-hmm. white folks. And, and, mm-hmm. Somehow, some way, I got into it with one of the few white folks there. Okay. Um, my wife grabbed the bean bag that we thought mm. that group was done using. They were two black, two white folks. Okay. And um, what happened was because we thought they were done, and there was a misunderstanding. Mm. She, be- one of the white girls, begins to yell and scream at us. Okay. And, be- and we didn't give the bag back because of that disrespect, and she just yeah. like began calling us the n word. Oh, um, okay. I-, I took out my phone. And she did mm-hmm. escalate. She eventually spits on us. Mm-hmm. So that like, it, and, and to, you know, not to like, uh, fa- not to go too fast through it, yeah, but yeah. The, the book essentially talks about um what, w- not what went through my mind in that situation only, but the life situations that prepared me to have the mental fortitude to fight through that situation. Mm-hmm. Meaning I didn't just accept it. I have this positive mindset of who I was as a black man in -hmm. this country. So I said that that's not who I am. That's not who I, who I should be treated. That's not what I should be treated like. So I'm going to fight through this. And Mm -hmm. that's when I also began like, you know, speaking engagements, content creation, because I, I, when I posted the video, it mm-hmm. pushed me out there. Oh, um, okay. Yeah, it pushed okay. me out there. And and, mm-hmm. and, and it was a, a, just a, a way to teach people mm-hmm. with every situation and problem that we face here racially, there's something mm-hmm. that you can find as the root and something also teach you how to counter it. And then wow. my second wow. book, which came out in November of mm-hmm. 2022, yeah. uh, the ABCs of Affirming Black Children, mm-hmm. this is actually, I would say, just a way for me to reverse engineer my book and my story because mm. we open this conversation up and I'll talk to you about my childhood mm. and the president's story with my mom. Well, mm-hmm. this affirmation book essentially says my mom laid down one affirmation that changed my life. Wow. Well, I'm reverse engineering that. I'm giving you 26 affirmations based on black history that will affirm your child for you so you don't even have to come up with something wow. and it will teach them black history so they're wow. going to be affirmed and, and they're going to be taught they're genius they're artistic mm. and mm. then they're going to also learn about people like a osborne dorsey who invented wow. the doorknob little facts like that who, who wow. people are you know people aren't even really thinking about so mm. it, it's mm. it's, a, it's a way to say this is what happened but now i'm gonna give you the steps in, a, in the most basic form. And it's not just wow. for kids. I would call it a family book, really.
1: <laughs> wow. That's interesting. Now, how can our audience get a hold of you to, you know, get the books to uh, for the for speaking engagement, um, to just come out and spend time with them and educate them on who they are um, and and, and the diversity? Like, you know, there's other people of uh, not only of color, but, you know, our white brothers and sisters that may want to know something as well Um, and deep sea dive with you. How can they get in contact with you?
2: Definitely. So I would uh I would say go to social media first. I feel like okay. we're in the age where you know that's where a lot of people find folks. So go to my Instagram or TikTok. That's at mrcram Crem3. So at mister Crem3. I okay. also have you'll find all my contact information in my link tree there. So the speaking engagement stuff, the book information. Or you can go to ernestcram.com and my content. So it, it, it comes from two different ways. Like I'm teaching yeah. black children and how to, up, you know, how to empower themselves. I'm mm-hmm. teaching black parents in the community how to use this information strategically. But also mm-hmm. to those who aren't black, I'm teaching you like um, about an experience you might not be familiar with. But mm-hmm. I'm also teaching you like I'm teaching about allies, too. I'm mm-hmm. I'm teaching white folks how to strategize and view what their role is in this mm-hmm. situation. You're like wow. as we speak, I have wow. a video right now about about a um a, a white woman named Ann McCarty Braden mm-hmm. who mm-hmm. was was well known for being a white Southerner who helped organize white Southern folks to mm-hmm. join the Civil Rights Movement. So mm-hmm. I'm I'm very cognizant that white folks need to, of course, see black positivity to restructure any stereotype they've been taught. but also too they need to be able to see examples of themselves fighting against racism so they can then strategize and say this is what i can do in this day and age
1: wow wow well friends we're just about out of time i just want to thank mr ernest scrim the third for just empowering us today with some black history application he is a specialist i want you to get in contact with him because there's so much information there's so much more i mean We just have run out of time, but we'll have to have you come back because there is a lot of information, a lot of things that are happening today that we need to discuss. One thing you said about um, not having a black president when you were growing up, we've had that experience. Some people take it for granted. Little kids, oh, we had a black president. No big deal. But we know the history of even that. So I just want to thank you all for listening. If you did not hear this entire broadcast, I want you to visit our website for more information and updates, leave a comment. Uh, You can visit us at www.road2eternity.net. And I want you to remember, you are uniquely designed and strategically gifted. Use your gifts to impact the world. Thank you so much, Mr. Krim, for being our special guest today, talking about Black history, the application of what we can do to learn more and to be more. Thank you all so much.
2: Thank you for
0: listening to Gifted with Sheila White. We hope you understand how your gifts can make an impact on the world. Gifted with Sheila White is produced by Road to Eternity, a film and television production company.